0: to Podventures and Odyssey. I'm Emily. And I'm Tatiana. Every week we re-listen to an episode of Adventures and Odyssey, then sit down to recap and discuss. We're going in album order, and today we are in album two, listening to episode four. The episode title is
1: Stormy Stormy Weather. Weather. (laughs) Since my man and I together. (laughs) Not relevant, but it always comes to mind. The song? Yeah. Not really. Actually, this is the first time it's come to mind.
0: (laughs) In all of your listening to this album, that's the first time. That's the first time.
1: I know. Weird. But, I mean, I grew up... This is one of the albums that I owned from a really young age. And I think that this episode predated my knowledge of that song. That's fair.
0: So, jumping right into it, this is a Connie episode. It's been a long time since we've heard her.
1: Now, has it been a long time in the episode? Or has it just been a long time since we have listened to a Connie episode? Either way, it both feels like a long time. It's been at least since the last album. Yeah, this is the first one in album two. And I will say it feels like a long time to me, especially because uh, they bundled together a a classics album, which I reference frequently because it's the first Adventures in Odyssey album that I owned as a little kid, but it had mainly a bunch of highlight episodes from the first handful of albums. And it had mostly... All Connie episodes. So I'm used to Odyssey starting off with like Connie's story all sort of like bunched together in one location. Like that's how I first experienced it and I really liked it that way. So it feels weird listening to it in actual like release order where the Connie story is more spread out across the first few albums.
0: Yeah, in release order, hers are kind of more interspersed with these kid episodes. Mm -hmm. So we don't get. We don't get our concentration of Connie.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it in this episode she is wanting to go back to California, which is a thread from her very first episode, and it feels like it kind of comes out of nowhere, but I mean We kinda knew it was always in
0: the back of her mind that yeah. she eventually wanted to get back to California. And so there's no reason to assume that that ever changed because she doesn't ever say, oh, I love Odyssey now and I want to stay here forever.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) It just, it puts a different spin on the story to have it come after many other episodes because it feels like it's more like been brewing in the back of her mind for a long time. Uh Whereas if you listen to all the Connie episodes back to back, it feels more like this is just constantly in the forefront of her mind. I don't know. I mean, and maybe it is, but we just don't get to see much of her.
0: Yeah, and when we do see her, like, I think back to the episode where she wanted to go see a concert with Debbie. Debbie is relevant. Oh, yeah. She comes up in this episode. Mm-hmm. And so she lied about her plans mm-hmm. in order to secure the afternoon Right. so she could go see a concert that her mom didn't want her to see. Mm-hmm. And just from that episode, you kind of get this sense of, okay, so she has settled in Odyssey. she's y- making yeah, friends, that's true. she's going out and doing things, she has her job, so she's got like work life, school life,
1: home mm-hmm. life
0: going on. like her life doesn't stop just because she's still trying to get back to California
1: mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, so this this episode really picks up like the Connie plot in terms of her character development, yeah, which is kinda neat. Yeah, should we go? Let's go go. go, go. So, uh, Chris introduces the episode. Once again, after the theme music. We're not having Chris Corners lately. I'm kind of wondering, did they end? No, they definitely didn't end. I know we get more. We'll have more Chris
0: Corners. It's too late. Yeah, so I guess she just sets the scene, which is kind of the function that she fulfills more often the Mm -hmm. longer the series goes on.
1: Yeah. And more so earlier on also. Mm Mm-hmm. Much later in the series, she'll be more of, like, the let me do a little recap right at the end and give you, like, a little moral. Yeah. But yeah, for now, she's still doing that sort of, like, TV show-esque lead-in to a scene, sort of like, and now we find ourselves in this place at this time.
0: Mm-hmm. But she's like, today it's very stormy, and mm-hmm. Wit's end is empty. Oh. Except for Connie and Wit. But they're more than enough for today's adventure. Oh,
1: cool. They are, aren't they? Yeah, and, um, so, like, the first thing, I guess, is that they're- they're hanging out in an empty wit's end, and Connie is not in a good mood, clearly. Like, not at all. No, she's- I don't- I don't even remember what she said, but she's just, like, having a teenage attitude about things. She's upset
0: that it's been raining for three days, she's going on about how Odyssey is such a small town, and Mm -hmm. she just wants to go back to California, Mm -hmm. and- she's like, I don't know why I'm in
1: such a bad mood. And Wit is doing a good job of doing his Mr. Whitaker thing where with younger kids, he won't press them on their feelings in this way. He'll more like just empathize and like try to understand you know he'll be like oh that's interesting like why do you feel that way but with Connie because she's an older kid she's 15 she mentions in this episode he kind of pushes back and like has more of a mature dialogue with her and he says like I don't think that's the only thing that's bothering you which I thought was insightful Mm -hmm. and it's like we as the audience don't yet know what that could be but you get the sense that wit is because he knows Connie and he's been interacting with her, that he has sensed something different going on that we will find out in this episode.
0: Yeah, and it's like Connie latches on to the California thing because that's the obvious change mm-hmm. that she wants in her life, mm-hmm. but it seems like maybe she's not even fully
1: aware of what the other thing is
0: mm-hmm. that's bothering her.
1: Yeah, there's like a crux of the issue, and that's what Wit is like gonna try to find out. Um, <laughs> I took notes again, <laughs> being a good note taker. <laughs> and I wrote down, it was so funny, that uh, Witt's like, well, it rains in California, too. And Connie's like, not this much. <laughs> and she's right. <laughs> she's right. I know. It was funny. I mean, in, in Southern California, of course, because she's from L.A. And we're about 100 miles north of L.A. right now. Mm-hmm. And, like, we just came out of, like, a massive drought a few years ago. Yeah. And it was like, oh, California and rain. Ha ha. Uh-huh. We don't have any
0: when we get it, it's always torrential, it lasts for like a week, yeah, and then it disappears for the rest of the year. Uh-huh, I know, it's always like such a wonderful time
1: when it rains. They cancel work because the streets get flooded. Yeah, that was wild. Um, yeah, There was one time when I was a kid when it rained like extremely seriously for like nonstop for a week. But that was my one experience of serious rain, and it was not a thunder and tornado storm. Yeah, that's more of a Midwest
0: thing. Mm-hmm. Like, we had that in Colorado, not to the extent that you get out on the plains, because mm-hmm. I was right up against the mountains, mm-hmm. of course, Denver area. Um, but I have memories as a child of, like, oh, there's going to be a hailstorm that's also a lightning storm that also might cause six tornadoes to touch down. Mm-hmm. Like, that
1: would happen. Mm. So, you, yeah, you have, like, a real weather experience. I think when I was little listening to this episode, it had sort of a... Exciting quality to it because of the weather in it. <laughs> uh, because I guess because I didn't have stormy weather like this as a kid, and so it was like there's a lot that's fascinating about this episode. I don't know, this episode in particular was one of the ones that fascinated me a lot.
0: I will say, as the tornado warning was going on, I was like, get into the cellar, <laughs> please, get in the cellar. <laughs> Connie's <sighs> yeah, Connie's the... like walking around in the storm, wits walking around in the storm later on. I'm like, people, get inside.
1: Do not be outdoors at all right now. That's interesting that you have that sense of urgency because I'm just like, I don't know, they're in the rain. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> different places, different weathers. Get in the cellar, get under a table. Yeah, I know. Okay, we're getting ahead. Shall we? Anyway. Uh, let's see. So, so Wit asks this kind of piercing question, and they don't really have time to get into it. I right. Think... Because Tom comes bursting through mm-hmm. the door. Soaked. Soaked. And being his goofy Tom self that he is at this point in Odyssey. It's like, oh, you know how I am when it <laughs> rains. <laughs> wet. Everything <laughs> just gets so... Wet. <laughs> like, you can't think of a synonym, and they're chuckling about it. And Wit and Tom are being their jovial, palsy selves.
0: Mm-hmm. And, um. Oh, and Tom brings up the fact that, oh, Connie, are you, like, looking forward to, or mm-hmm. says something about her running the Bible drill? drill.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh yeah he he like assumes it and he he has not read the room because Connie is clearly like in a sour mood right now and he just comes in all happy and bouncy and like hey I hear you doing bible drill like kind of thing and she is like what and in the background Wit's like hang on Tom like from the other room as he's mm-hmm. making them tea it's like I haven't had a chance mm-hmm. Connie meanwhile who told you that yeah she's kind of like snapping at Tom just a little bit and mm-hmm. then Wit comes in and apologizes that, like, I, I was gonna ask you and the kids asked me to ask you because they loved when you did it the last time and, you know, so what do you say? And Connie is not here for it. Mm-mm. There's,
0: like, a sense of already she's in a bad mood and she's already
1: kind of testy about how everyone is preaching at her all the time,
0: mm-hmm. as she puts
1: it. That's, yeah, I think that's kind of when she, like, Let's loose mm-hmm. on those things a little bit. She's like, now I'm actually sick of the Bible and all this Bible stuff and everybody trying to get me to, I don't know, be interested in the Bible and preaching at me." And Tom seems a little taken aback by that. Like he's like, "Oh, preaching at you? Like, oh, didn't know that you felt felt it that way."
0: Hmm. Yeah. So Connie decides she's gonna go for a walk in the rain mm-hmm. <laughs> and. This was something interesting. She says she's going for a walk in the rain. She doesn't say where she's going, Mm -hmm. but everyone assumes she's going home.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, where else could you go, though? If you go for a walk in super heavy rain, you're probably going to end up going to shelter, maybe? Probably. Yeah. I don't know why she didn't just say she's going home, but she's not going home. Uh, In the next scene, she goes to her friend Debbie's, who was mentioned in that earlier episode. Uh Uh-huh. Um. They have an interesting interaction. They really do, yeah. I was thinking during, I was like, now this is some interesting content. Where Connie has complained in the previous scene about, like, all these kids kind of thing. Like, she's somehow annoyed with having to be around kids all the time, and I'm like, that's well, your job, but, like, I kind of get it. And- <laughs> So she's going to her, like, high school friend, and and Debbie is like, oh, like, I haven't seen you in a long time. And Debbie is, like, a little bit... Re- Standoffish? Yeah, she, I was gonna say reserved, but yeah, yeah, she's, like, keeping a little bit of distance in their interaction. And Connie is trying to be like, oh, man, like, it's good to be around, like, to see you and be around somebody my own age and... Debbie is like, oh well, we like everybody kind of thought that maybe you were getting like weird and religious it's with like all we, of the Bible stuff you've been
0: doing. Yeah, they're like, we were kind of getting worried. Mm-hmm. So you have this sense that Connie is like stuck between these two worlds where she doesn't mm-hmm. really fully belong in either. Yeah, like neither fully with her, her, her Christian boss and. The Christian children that she looks after, nor really with her secular friends from school. hmm Also, Debbie is having Donna and the gang over, mm-hmm. which made me wonder if this is Donna Barkley.
1: I know, that's kind of weird, and it, like, it can't be. It can't. I mean, maybe it could at this early point in Odyssey when Donna's just been introduced, but I think Donna's, Donna's, like, 12. It mm-hmm. can't be Donna. I know, that was my thought, too. Donna
0: says she's 12 in the yeah, previous yeah, yeah. episode. That's Connie right.
1: is 15. Mm-hmm. So they're not peers quite yet. Mm-mm. Okay. Oh, different right. Donna. Settled. So yeah. So the Debbie's having some other friends over to just like watch movies or whatever. While the
0: rest of her family is out of town visiting Mm-mm. her grandma,
1: and Connie's like, "Oh, it'll be really great to see the gang." And then Debbie like totally gets like really awkward and like, "Oh no, like uh, there's already gonna be too many people." Like you
0: know how my mom is uh-huh. about me having friends over. Like, you should probably just
1: go. And actually, I don't know if awkward's the right word for it, she is actually astoundingly straightforward in terms of telling Connie, like, I don't want you to be here, but in a very roundabout way. Yeah. Like, just saying, like, hey, maybe next time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Poor Connie. <laughs> yeah, poor Connie. It is kind of interesting to think about, because you kind of get the sense that... Her friendships with Debbie and whoever else is in that whole gang are not actually real, real friendships. Right. And that's kind of what the episode is about in mm-hmm. a sense. And the episode never explicitly tells
0: you this, but it kind of feels like this is the thing that Connie is being moody about. Right. Is that she isn't having time to spend with her quote-unquote friends. Mm-hmm. But Debbie points out, I kept inviting you to things, but you were always turning me down, Mm -hmm. and so I just got tired of getting turned down, and that's why I stopped inviting you to things. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, their communication is actually really good. (laughs) It's kind of interesting to think about that desire to do something that is sometimes stronger than the actual enjoyment of doing the thing itself. Like... Yeah, Connie's wanting to hang out with kids her own age and, like, these specific friends that she's made in school. Like, she really wants to do that or, like, she feels like she wants to do that and she feels really strongly like she wants to go to California. And those desires are, like, more consuming than actually doing the things that end up being... Like, because mm-hmm. she, she, she visits Debbie, but she doesn't end up hanging out with her, and it's kind of like, well, I mean, you get that sense because she turns Debbie down all the time, and it's like, if she really wanted to hang out with them, I feel like Connie would make time for it, you know?
0: I kind of understood it to mean she was turning them down because of her work schedule, mm-hmm. and so... And because she committed to doing, like,
1: Bible drills and stuff uh-huh. like
0: that. Yeah. So it was previous commitments that mm-hmm. were getting in the way of hangout time. But it's also like, yeah, if she was interested in spending time with them, she might initiate the hangouts mm-hmm. during the
1: times that she's available. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, she doesn't need the money anymore. She's working at Witsend at the beginning so that she can get money for a bus ticket, which she has now purchased. That's true. So it's kind of, and Connie probably doesn't even think of it like that, but it's kind of like... If you think about it there's like a a school of psychology, like a way of thinking about things that like if you actually really want to do something that is within your capability then you would do it. Otherwise you don't actually want to do it. This is like a way of looking at things. It's like a bit of a psychological trick and
0: it's a good way to convince yourself to do the things that you actually want to do when you just feel lazy.
1: Exactly. Or it's a way to be honest with yourself. It's kind of convicting, honestly. <laughs> I remember that in school at one point, my, my mentor, my, my psychology department mentor, like got me on one of those things. I, I forget what it was. It was some school thing where I was like, oh man, I I wish I could do this thing, but I can't. And then she was like, you can't or you won't because I know that you can do it. And I was like, okay, I won't do this thing. <laughs> you have to frame it that way is different, mm-hmm. you know?
0: I do believe there is a point, though, where it's like you do want to do multiple things and you just don't have the time to do all of them. Very and true. And so you have to pick between things that you want to do, like, almost equally as mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. And it's more like, I just want to do this slightly more than I want to do this other thing.
1: Mm-hmm. And the
0: fact that I'm doing this thing instead does not mean I didn't want to do that thing over there. Right. It's just that I only have a finite amount of time in which I
1: can do all these things. Mm-hmm. Or, these things are mutually exclusive things. yeah, and this is a very helpful way to think about the problem of evil. Thanks, Dr. Nelson in philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a long tangent, though. Oh, yeah. um, so, but no, this is really interesting to think about because this episode is really interesting. It's like it got a lot of layers, even though not a whole lot happens in it, but I'm still thinking about just how Connie is having this kind of angst and malaise about being in Odyssey. And it's got to do, like, I feel like it has to be to do with, like, faith and being bothered by these ideas and the way that these Christians are and, like, not wanting to be uncool but being really interested in in maybe if not like the Bible itself, just being interested in these people and being frustrated that these kind of come as a package. It's like I like Mr. Whitaker, but I don't love quoting the Bible all the time. Because the Bible's uncool, I think you get the sense, especially when Debbie says we were worried you were getting religious. Uh-huh. That what is stopping Connie from fully diving into learning about Christianity is partly the like cultural perception of Christianity as being real uncool. (laughs) Is Christianity still uncool? I think it is. Within certain circles. Yeah. It's not something I
0: think I personally grew up with, probably just because I attended private Christian schools Mm -hmm. and church and never really ran into the people who thought this way.
1: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah. I know it's the reality for a lot of people. For a lot
1: of people, yeah. And if not, like, specific individuals, then, like, popular culture. Yeah. Like, the Christian dude is not the cool dude in a movie or something. (laughs) A secular movie. No, not generally. Yeah. But anyway, I really just find it really interesting that the, the way that they portray Connie's internal struggles throughout this episode without explicitly having her say... I'm wrestling with two different groups who want two different things and I kind of want to be a part of both and I kind of want to be a part of neither at the same time. Mm -hmm. And seeing California as like an escape from this whole weird situation that she finds herself in.
0: California is her out.
1: Yeah. It's her out. It's like her idealized place where everything is cool and fun and comfortable.
0: And certainly she's seeing her past through rose-tinted glasses Mm -hmm. at this point. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So Connie takes Debbie's cues and leaves and says, I'll see you next time. And then we cut to Wit's end, Mm -hmm.
0: where Wit is getting a phone call from Ms. Kendall. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And
1: overhearing on the radio also that there's a tornado warning. Yeah, I think that's where he, he hears it and he thinks, okay, I better maybe secure some of the windows upstairs foreshadowing, foreshadowing.
0: <laughs> oh my
1: I yeah and then, that. Mm-hmm.
0: so connie's mom calls and he finds out through this phone call that connie has not come home yet mm-hmm. it's been half an hour and i guess everything in odyssey is closer than a half hour walk so he offers to go out and search for connie on her behalf because he's like, don't go out, it's dangerous, mm-hmm. stay inside, like, I'll take care of this. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I know the paths that she takes, like, the shortcuts she takes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's I a nice little detail that, that, is- that kind of points to the closeness that
1: they've engendered up to this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too, totally. So much good characterization in these shows. So out he goes, grabs his his raincoat, his rain boots, and then, um, now cut to Connie gets home. And she's in a horrible mood. She comes in like being like, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. (laughs) And her mom is like, Whoa, you can't just like burst in like that, being all crazy and moody and stuff. She
0: demands to go back to California. Yeah,
1: and this is and and this is another good scene where there's really great communication between Connie and her mom because her mom is like, Where's this coming from? And Connie is like, I mean, it's been, it's not coming out of nowhere. This has been brewing for a while. I just haven't said anything about it mm-hmm. up to this point. And then her mom is like, okay, well, then it's not fair for you to be really, really upset about it since I don't know anything about what's going on. And that actually Connie calms herself down. I was like, good on you, Connie. Yeah. <laughs> Having some emotional self-regulation skills. <laughs> she kind of, she like takes a breath and is like, okay, yeah, you're right, I'm sorry. And then she calmly explains to her mom what's bothering her. She's
0: upset about like not being able to hang out with people her own age. She mm-hmm. misses her friends from California and uh, her mom points out, well, Aren't you friends with the kids and Mr. Whitaker at work? Mm-hmm. And she's like, Well, the kids are so young and Wits so <laughs> her mom says,
1: careful. Mature. <laughs> yeah. Nice saves, Connie. <laughs> That's cute. And this is this is like the what Adventures in Odyssey like this is what their writers make out to be the crux of the episode. Mm-hmm. Which is the, the whole question of finding friendship and connection among your peers versus in unexpected in places, yeah. I guess.
0: So Connie, after going on and explaining this, asks her mom to like make a decision about whether or not she can go. Mm-hmm. And her mom says that she'll think about it.
1: Mm-hmm. And Connie is like, oh, that means yes, because whenever you say no, you say no right away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is kind of cute. And that's the point at which Ms. Kendall mentions that
0: Wit is out looking for mm-hmm. Connie. She's like, oh, I forgot. Wit's looking for you. hmm And Connie is like, oh, let me go find him. Like, you stay here. And she doesn't know about the tornado warning.
1: Right. And her mom is like, well, be careful. And Connie says, it's just rain, mom. And we, meanwhile, are like, it's not just rain. Stay inside. Stay inside. Uh, hmm
0: hmm So she sets out to find Wit. Wit, meanwhile, has hunkered down in Dale's shed. Dale Mm -hmm. Johnson leaves his shed unlocked. Mm -hmm. So, huzzah.
1: Huzzah for Dale Johnson, who I don't think we'll ever meet. Nope. But it it had me thinking about Dale Jacobs, whom we will meet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Probably. Uh, People, writers have, like, a certain set of names, you know what I mean? Like, they have a certain set of first names and last names that they'll use yeah we've mentioned before yeah yeah so we've got Dale Johnson and we'll have another Dale and other Johnsons throughout Odyssey yep so anyway Witt's hiding in there and then overhears Connie yelling for him and then they they meet in the shed mm-hmm. while they're in the they're hunkering down in the shed as the rain's getting heavy and Connie tells yeah that's when she tells him hey I've got really good news for you I'm gonna go back to California and wit doesn't really react happily he's just like oh well let's talk about this and uh, like let's let's go back to wit's end to talk about this because i think you know like i can't hear anything here Mm -hmm. yeah and they're and they're debating like i don't know if it's better to stay in here and try to weather the storm or like let's get back into building oh and this is where wit mentions the tornado warning and then connie says like oh we better get out of here because first she learns of it Mm -hmm. and then they run to its end yeah, and I will
0: say Connie mentions something at this point. She's like, I knew I would find you around here, mm-hmm. which I thought was another little cute moment of, oh, they do like know they, each other.
1: Yeah, they really know each other. She's she's thinking to herself, like, if I was wit looking for me, where would I look? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then she finds him.
0: Yeah, so they, they run back to the store, and they go inside, and mm-hmm. Connie says fateful thing that you should never say. Like, oh, we're safe in here. What could happen? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. She totally does. And Wit says, like, we should get deeper into the building. And then Connie says, what could happen? And then, like, kaboom, the window shatters. Well, let's, let's get further into the building. I don't like the looks of this. Why? What can happen? <laughs> oh. um. Yep. Oh, such a dramatic moment! It yeah. was very frightening as a kid. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to commercial break. Oh, Chris! Dramatic commercial break. Are Wit and Connie all right? <gasps> Are they though?
0: <laughs> Been noticing that's like a very common mid episode question. That's a mid
1: episode break question. Yeah, Chris comes in to wonder whether our characters will survive. <laughs> <laughs> no, but actually, Wit is not all right. No. And you hear, you hear it in the explosion, like the lightning, the huge glass crash. Connie screams, and you hear Wit cry out in pain mm-hmm. in that moment. So when you come back, um, there is glass everywhere, and the Connie front... is a bit freaking out. Yeah, the whole front window blew out, blew in.
0: Blew in. <laughs> Wit was struck in the leg.
1: Yeah, they. If we find out as he tries to move, and then uh, again, like grunts in pain, and Connie starts freaking out. Oh, there's blood. There's blood. Wait, oh my gosh! Yeah, she. She's not like running around with it like a chicken with her head cut off or anything, but she is like very heightened emotions throughout this whole scene. Now, this scene, I should say, this is, scene is what fascinated me as a kid, and I do not. The, the friendship message did not land on me as a child, like, at all. Mm-hmm. This episode, oh, I think even now the most interesting part of the whole thing is the difference in reaction that you've got from a non-Christian in a crisis and a Christian in a crisis.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whether they believe in no God, like you're an atheist, or agnostic, like you just don't know what's coming next, I think having serious injury and mortality in the picture it just suddenly it digs to a really deep question and like a very deep fear and then for Christian it's like there's an answer there there's not a question and it's like not to generalize across every single person but I mean that is pretty much what's depicted is like somebody who knows it is going to be okay no matter what like even if this injury is really bad and then somebody who just has no way of knowing whether it's going to be okay or not. Like, even if it's fatal,
0: the Christian has the assurance that there is something for them Mm -hmm. afterwards, whereas the non-Christian, this life is all there is, and so any threat to it is a threat to the only existence that they ever know. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was interesting, Witt quotes the Psalms Mm -hmm. during this time, and he quotes... I wish I knew which specific oh, psalm yeah. it was. Did I you look it, it up? I wrote it down to
1: look it up. I could look it up yeah. right now. Because
0: like so. he says, praise the Lord, O my soul. I will say I thought it was interesting um, that he uses a praise psalm during this time. I think this is something, a little bit of a sidebar about uh, modern Christians. We are not very good about lamentation. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And I think, not to say that this is an inappropriate response to the situation, but I feel like for another person, a lamentation psalm would have been an equally appropriate Mm -hmm. response. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And Mm -hmm. just the emotional reality of that moment, however you're reaching out to God, is personal. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's a really good way of putting it.
0: Because there is space in the Christian faith for, Lord, why is this happening? And, like, where are you in this moment? I don't see you. But always ending, coming back to, Lord, you are good, and I know that you are in control.
1: Emily's soapbox sermons. <laughs> I knew there would be some. Psalm 103. Ah. Yeah, I was wondering if the psalm was going to have eventually more to do with the situation. It kind of does. It says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So that has a little bit to do with, I mean, this is just the first part. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, and it goes on, there's, like, God's compassion in there. It's one of the, it's like a sweeping sort of psalm. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there's early on mention of healing and strength being renewed. Which is pertinent to the situation. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but Connie, meanwhile, wit has sent her on an errand to get bandages. Mm-hmm. So she comes back with bandages, and mm-hmm. she's freaking about how the phone lines are down. And he's like, I have a battery-operated phone upstairs. Mm-hmm. So she rushes up to call, um...
1: Uh, I think on the, on the radio, she tries to call the sheriff and it won't work. And, um, I wrote down the quote, I need you to be calm. It was, it just struck me as funny, mainly because of knowing Connie throughout the whole series and how it's like, Connie is just not a calm person. (laughs) No, she is not. She is, she is a certain way in a crisis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just struck me as funny because like of Connie's personality which you know from the whole series is just she's just not a calm person (laughs) that's just how she be so the phrase I need you to be calm it just struck me as really funny being directed at Connie and she does she does manage to pretty much keep her head but she is definitely despairing throughout like she is not okay with what's going on I hope you don't hear these dogs (laughs) (laughs) we
0: hope having a party Just takes one to set the rest of them off, huh? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my
1: word. Um one more thought in this scene that we've kind of already touched on, but the um wit while, you know, Wit has been quoting the Bible to himself while Connie is trying to find bandages and trying to find the radio. And then when Connie is back with him and despairing, like, oh, your leg, it's really bleeding and the radio won't work. What do we do? And Wit is like, it's okay. Like, God is watching over us. And I think he prays at the point or does he keep uh, praying through the Psalms? Um, I think he's still he, he's still quoting the Bible like with Connie there, mm-hmm. even after she's had this outburst earlier that day of being sick of all this Bible stuff being preached at her. Mm-hmm. And it's just it kind of struck me as something that I have found true and maybe a lot of us have found true in life that um, people respond very differently to the Bible in a crisis. Yeah, Like, as sick as you are of the Bible, maybe in normal times when life is going really well, I've noticed, like, atheists and agnostics and people who really don't want to hear about faith, they they want to be prayed for, like, right then and there while bad things are happening. It's kind of like that anchor. Like, you can just see the difference in a crisis. Mm-hmm and or people just get open to it you know they're like i'm so out of control right now just like anything that feels in control seems good to me
0: yeah and then connie's mom shows up Mm -hmm. at the shop yeah it was like right after
1: wit's like it's gonna be okay and he's praying and then yeah connie's mom june shows up Mm -hmm. and wit praises god Mm -hmm. for that
0: Mm -hmm. immediately Mm -hmm. and then we cut to the hospital Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Connie is coming into the room to see Wit, mm-hmm. and Wit, meanwhile, is like, They want to keep me overnight. I, I'd go and help clean up the shop Always myself right fun. now
1: if they let me leave. Connie's like, Wit, you have 18 stitches. <laughs> <laughs> That's more than a few. Classic Mr. Whitaker. What else is classic Mr. Whitaker? in this episode is that he, a few times, is about to sit down and read a book and then gets interrupted by having to do other things. Yep. Yeah. And I think it's in the the hotel, he's like, well, or the hotel, the hospital, he's like, (laughs) I guess I'm going to read, I have time to read my book. I don't know. That was just like off topic, but like a character trait kind of thing that gets introduced here. There are other episodes where he is sick or injured or whatever, bedridden, and is like, oh boy, time to read a book.
0: He does love to read. He does. So, yeah, Connie brings the book for him so mm-hmm. he can read in the hospital while he's bedridden. hmm And then we have a great interaction where Connie apologizes for panicking
1: mm-hmm. and asks what, what he was quoting from the Bible. Mm-hmm. She was like, that was the Bible, wasn't it? He's was like, yeah, it was the Psalms. Um, I wrote down what Connie said in that, and she was like, I was panicking. She's like, but you're okay. And she's like, you're always Okay. Which is, I don't know, it is, like, the way that she said it and, I don't know, it's kind of something that I resonated with in terms of, I guess, what we talked about earlier and then also in being told that in life as well. I've been told that before by friends who are not believers, just, and by believers as well, during some difficult times in life, it would just mention, like, but you seem really solid or, like, you seem to be okay or you seem whatever and that is... Peace that only comes from Christ. This is neat. Is the kind of thing Connie is like starting to notice. Even in the, in the first episode that in which she is pushing back against all this church stuff. I guess she's not enthused about it in her introduction. But right now, where she is explicitly annoyed by it, like even then, she can't help but notice that there's something different about Wit.
0: Yeah. Then this is the point also where Connie offers to take care of the shop until he gets better. And mm-hmm. he's like, well, what about California? Mm-hmm. and
1: she kind of was like i'll put it off somebody's gotta do the thing so mm-hmm. she kind of is, she she gives him this speech about um how she she returns to the friendship thing after wit apologizes yeah for so taking gr- her for granted yeah i wrote down wit learns a lesson that he didn't need to learn <laughs> I don't know. What do you think about that? Because what does, he's like, well, this makes me realize that I take you for granted and I'm very selfish with you and I maybe should be giving you more time off.
0: I think this is kind of getting into later episodes, Mm -hmm. honestly. So spoiler warning, I -hmm. guess. Mm -hmm. Um, Just given the context of some of the later episodes where we see him sort of treating her differently from other people, specifically from Eugene, Mm -hmm. um, I get the sense that he kind of does take her for granted a little bit.
1: Mm. hmm Yeah. Yeah, I think you could be right. Yeah, I know we'll see as we as time goes on. Connie and Eugene are in like very different circumstances and it's mm-hmm. like it's hard to say, and I'm sure it's hard for Wit to say too, like how much of that is because of who Connie is and how much of that is because she's a high schooler and Eugene's a grad student and mm-hmm. those kinds of differences. I think it's just It's sort of a recognition that he was
0: kind of crossing an unspoken boundary with Connie
1: Yeah. in terms
0: of her time.
1: Well, yeah, he wasn't... he's just recognizing that he wasn't being considerate. And I did... even though I wrote down he learns a lesson when he didn't need to, but at the same time, it's the kind of thing that a mature Christian does. It's like, if you look at a situation... In terms of, well, I'm not the one who needs to learn a lesson in this situation, that's not the attitude that God ever calls us to. Mm -hmm. God is always working on each of us, and even in the situation where Connie has a lot to learn... Wit is still seeing things that he is recognizing in himself. And even though Connie is like, oh, you don't have to apologize, and then explains her side of things, like, Wit, I think, like you pointed out, he's recognizing that, like, he in his own heart was not being considerate of her time. Mm-hmm. So good on him for recognizing. Because he kind of,
0: I think, in a sense, he took for granted that she was willing to give all that time to mm-hmm. Wit's end. Mm hmm. And it probably just never crossed his mind to ask if she would want more
1: time for herself. hmm But then Connie comes back with saying, like, you know, this whole experience made me realize that you and the kids really are my friends. Yeah. Which is what her mom pointed out to her earlier. Like, what about WID? And what about the kids? They can be your friends. And Connie's like, meh. But now, this, after this whole experience, she's like, I was just afraid of losing you. And made me realize that we friends. But I kind of, I wanted to touch on earlier, like, what do you think of like friendships and different ages and all that stuff like everything this episode has to say about it yeah it's kind of interesting because this is basically the moral that chris pulls out of it is just like sort of a general message about friendship is good a good thing friendships make us stronger she pulls out ecclesiastes like two people are better together than one Mm -hmm. um and then she also says, like, and, you know, look for the friendships in unexpected places with people who are older than you and people who are younger than you. And it's like, that's nice. But um, I just, I, I remember thinking earlier on, like, Connie, like, I get that feeling of needing friends your own age, especially as a teenager. I don't know. What do you think?
0: I think that the message, first off,
1: doesn't preclude having friends your own age. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's probably just encouraging people to... Broaden their horizons of friendship Mm -hmm. a bit. Um, As someone who had, for the majority of her childhood, more friends who were much older and then much younger Mm -hmm. (laughs) than herself for a long time, like, I had a lot of adult friends as a child, more so than people my own age. Mm -hmm. Um, In what context? Usually in the church. Mm -hmm. Like your teachers and stuff? Uh, Teachers, my... Um, The children of people who would watch me, who were always older, mm-hmm. at least five years older, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and neighborhood kids on the block who were not really my age. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Adults, oftentimes, when I was a teenager, I was friends with a lot of adults because I worked in children's ministry, mm-hmm. and all of the people I worked with were like 20-something or 30-something. Old. Ancient. ancient. Those
1: ancient grandmas. Hey, when I was 14, Grandpas, they I were know. old. Hey, me too. We and, say that because we're 26 and 27. And I was
0: friends with a lot of teachers because my mom was a teacher. Mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. were in their 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like, even now, it's like, I go to a quilter circle and they're all, like, mm-hmm. 70 and yeah, older. That's true. I don't know. For, for the majority of my life, pretty much until, like, late high school and college... I always had an easier time making friends who were not my own age. Mm -hmm. I can understand that, yeah. I feel like some people
1: just, that's how it ends up for them.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, I I really do enjoy my friendship with people who are my own age. I tend to find, like, one person Mm -hmm. who's my own age that Mm -hmm. I'm friends with, and then most of my other friendships of people in the same demographic are, like, through those people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, one or two. And college is different, too, because I think uh, living together makes
1: a difference. Yeah, when you end up living with a bunch of people your age, Mm -hmm. in
0: your same situation. Yeah, so friends of circumstance.
1: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very true. Yeah, that's, that's a good way of thinking about it. And yeah, I guess I agree that it's not, like, it's not about, like, ditch your high school friends. You've got children as friends. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Who needs high school friends when you're friends with children? It's more like, sometimes
0: your friendships will not look the way you expect them to. Mm-hmm. And like people who come into your life or are a part of your life, uh, don't take them for granted.
1: I think it's also the important thing in the episode too, is that Connie actually does view these children and Wit as her friends. It's not just people being like, well, these are the people that you spend all your time with, so they're your friends. Right. And Connie being like, but I don't feel that way. It's like in the end, she does realize I do feel like they're my friends. So that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, it's not that she, she doesn't have a purely professional relationship with these people. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, Wits my coworker and these are my subordinates. How much would
1: you love to work at Witt's End? I don't know why I've not never thought all. of- You wouldn't? No. <gasps> I would love to work at Wits I don't know why I'm I, thinking this. I just feel like I would love to.
0: I'm not a people person. I'm
1: not really either. I mean, I can be, but yeah, I'm an introvert also, so it would be kind of draining, but I don't know. I guess if I was doing something
0: more like what Eugene does?
1: Yeah, where he's, like, a a help to the people who need him, but he's primarily working on things. Uh-huh. Yeah, that would be fun. That I would love. I feel like I would, I think I would like it. I don't think I could
0: be the one, like, going around and helping the kids with stuff. And Being behind the counter? Being behind the counter.
1: it. I'll work the counter, you work the Bible room, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It will be incredible, just imagine. Are we Connie and Eugene? We're Connie and Eugene, and this is our (laughs) self-insert (laughs) fanfiction, which is a phrase I hate to have to explain to our audience. We gotta. They're not gonna know. Yeah, they might. No, they won't, but uh, fanfiction is just when you, a fan, write something in the world of the thing that you love, such as Odyssey. And when you insert yourself, it's a self-insert. It's as simple as that. You write yourself into the story. Yeah. Or let's do it. Or write our own episode in which... Oh, what oh, a project. Dear. Okay. And that'll be the staged, the scripted episode of this podcast. Will it ever happen? We don't know. No, it won't. Don't, don't look for it. <laughs> That's all my notes. Oh, man. Uh, any final thoughts? We done it. We done it. If you have any self-insert fan fictions, please send them to podventuresinodyssey at com. That's our email address. We want to read them. And we will. Legitimately, actually. Oh, yeah. We, a- we will 100% read them. Give me the Odyssey fan fiction. Yeah, give me that Odyssey fan fiction. Any way, shape, or form. Self-insert or otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> send us your fan art too oh yeah your fan art that would be lovely or if you have any questions or comments on our episodes and uh as always thanks for listening and we hope you join us next time for another pod venture in odyssey see you guys bye we'll have more Chris corners it's too right. wait. Just you wait. Sorry, totally. <laughs> totally <different laughs> <keeps. laughs>